Let us sing the first hymn in the order of service. <coughs> Jesus, the very thought of thee with sweetness fills my breast, but sweeter far thy face to see and in thy presence rest. <coughs>
our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee that through the Gospel Thou hast brought life and incorruption to light. We glorify Thee all the night in which Thy children walk. And we pray Thee that it may be fed all round and about us this day. As we come into thine house, on our way to lay to death, thy servant, our father and brother and friend. Grant we beseech thee that in this hour any trace of the gloom of fear or the darkness of sorrow may be removed from us and may he who is in the midst of the two or three gather together <coughs> in his name shed his glorious light upon us all and in this hour and on this day may we walk in the light as he is in us and have our fellowship one with another and with all those who have departed in the true faith of the gospel through the same Jesus Christ our mediator and Lord our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive men who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever.
presence this morning of what looks like defeat, disastrous defeat. The shadow of death darkens us. But to faith sight, that enlightened sight, we are present at the celebration of a victory, the most wonderful of all tribes, the triumph through the atoning death of a believer over death. We are met here this morning with loving and sympathetic hearts to pay tribute to our dear friend and father. In presence of the signs of death, how difficult to eulogize, how impossible to eulogize, and how unworthy it would be to offer great eulogy. The reticences that are imposed upon us by death, we must all observe. But we cannot but thank God for the achievements of our dear and honored friend. He was a great personality, and personality is God's best gift to the world. His personality could never be obscured. He was a cedar, and the cedars around him could never dwarf him. In the political world, he achieved distinction. In the commercial and professional world, he was indeed great. And in the ecclesiastical world, he was even greater. One of the most marked and lovely features of our faith was the fact that next to his devotion to his Lord and Savior, and it was heartfelt devotion, as some of us know well. Next to that, his wonderful devotion to the church. He was in the best sense of the word, to use a term that he would have disavowed, a high churchman. He had an immense belief in the Holy Catholic Church, the blessed company of the believers. And it would ill become me to say much this morning, and I shall say next to nothing, about the heroic and really splendid service that through a long lifetime he has rendered to his church. All was true to him. All was valiant for him. All was thinking of him. All was dreaming great dreams for him. Consider just for one passing moment the wonderful achievement, but it was wonderful, of that 20th century fight, and how he went all over the land, eloquently and fervently, setting out the great historic faith, and never hesitated to set out also the true churchmanship of the people called Methodists. Consider what he did in rearing this structure, if you would see his monument, we might well say, look around. Ah, but consider also his quiet and often unaccredited services for the church. 
He has been my steward now for nearly four and twenty years, and I have had great opportunity of noticing the privacy of his character and of his service. He was not only willing to do great things, but he was willing to do what most people would call little things for the Lord and for his church. In small meetings, in interests that seemed almost beneath him, I believe he was often to be discovered at his very best. All was ready to help, not only to help in the great, but to help in the small. And that's the very spirit sure of him who was incarnated and who in his infinite greatness found nothing too small to evoke his influence, to inspire his sympathy and to provoke his help. But we will not speak more of our friend's achievements. After all, achievements are relatively a small thing. One seems to hear the voice of the great Victorian voice this morning. Speak no more of his renown. Lay your earthly fancies down. The greatest thing about our friend was his character. And they knew it best who knew him most intimately. Can a nobler tribute be paid to any man? I often used to say to him playfully that many people who only discerned him when he was fighting his battle didn't realize what he truly was. He had a kind heart. He had a gentle spirit. The great evidence of what he was was to be found in his home life. After all, that is the final test of a Christian. Let them first learn to show piety at home. And he learned that lesson well, beautifully. He showed a genial, bright, lovable, humorous piety in his own home. One of the things that I have always looked upon as a noble trait of our departed friend was the deep love he had for his father. I'm old enough to remember his father, that stately figure, that man of great grit and force and power, one of the most celebrated Methodist preachers of his day, and the president of his conference. To the very last, I've seen Sir Robert's tender love for his father. The memory of that great father was a constant inspiration to him. I've seen the tears gather in his eyes as he reverted to his father and spoke of him. And even in Sir Robert's old age, the spell of his splendid father was upon him. Surely there's no nobler mark of a man than that he should have a lifelong devotion to a long-departed father, a noble father. And indeed, he was the noble son of a truly great father. One hesitates to even seem to draw aside the curtain from the sanctity of his home. But I must be allowed to revert to that in a sentence or two. They didn't know Sir Robert, really, who never saw him in his own home. That ideal marriage, that marriage 
that never had a shadow across its brightness. His devotion to that noble one. And one can hardly keep back the tears this morning as one thinks of that dear lady, one of the noblest ladies I've ever known. Sweet and generous and loving and lovable, with such a tender heart of sympathy for all, and with such an intense belief in the Bible, and with such a great faith in the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And one who, as she has often told us, is daily looking for the personal return of the Lord. And we think of that dear lady this morning, stricken, conscious, of the Lord and thinking of us as we gather here. Sir Robert's great career was largely molded by the sweet, self-effacing, loving influence of that godly woman, the Lord be with her, and comfort her. And in the midst of her tears, may he flash upon her the glories of the bright world into which her dear one is back. What a father he was. Our hearts go out this morning towards his children. One of them he has rejoined. That lovely daughter that many of us remember so well. With a fine intellect and a great heart. What a wound it was to it when she was taken. And now ever and anon through the years since, I've seen that he has been reverting to that law, and how glad he was to hear a word about the life everlasting. He didn't seem to have much sentiment, but he really had great sentiment in the depths of his heart. He was so rigorous in avoiding all appearance of sentimentalism that sometimes he did injustice to himself. But when he allowed his heart to throb in one hearing, we caught the lovely music of that heart. The sympathy of Sir Robert was very great. I have seen his eyes filled with tears as he has spoken of some who have been sick and stricken. And I have reason to know from personal experience in my own family, of how tenderly sympathetic it could be in times of sickness and grief. He found it difficult to suffer fools gladly. And I think he found it especially difficult to suffer pious fools. But let him know that anyone was sincere. And if even he could not adopt all their views, or follow all their proceedings. He was yet very real in his sympathy. And there are those here this morning who know that his home life was really a beautiful Christian life. Even songful. We are to sing a hymn presently that those who only knew him at a distance might not associate with him. But it was one of his chosen hymns. And often in his own home he was heard singing, My God, I'm Thine. 
What a comfort divine. What a blessing to know that my Jesus is mine. He was a great lover of the evangel. Oh, how he delighted in the gospel. The gospel of the fathers, the gospel of the Puritans, the gospel of the evangelical revival, the gospel of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the gospel of simple faith in the atoning work of Christ. He reveled in that one. And he was a great believer in preaching. And there are preachers here this morning who know how he could speak an encouraging word. And an encouraging word always came when it came from him, from the depths of his sincere heart. We thank God for what he did. We thank God still more for what he was. The sublimest thing in the universe is character. Robertson of Brighton said that salvation was character. And in the last definition it is. And his was a noble character. True, honest, kind, brave. And we thank God still more for what he is. He liveth. He has passed into glory. He had no fear of death. He said to me, and he seldom spoke on such topics so that the word was no more impressive. He said to me not long ago, I'm not afraid to death. Why was he not afraid to death? Because he rested absolutely on the atonement of Christ. He said, if not the words, and he often said the words, yet continually this he said. This was his very spirit. Rock of ages, cleft for me. It was the cleft rock that was his hope, and it was the cleft rock that took away from him the fear of death and that old, and banished that hell fear. I'm reminded of the words of one of my favorite poets, the great Tennyson, one with whom I commune very much in times like this. He says, the face of death is toward the sun of life. His truer name is onward. And then when Tennyson lay on his deathbed, he asked that the silent voices might call him to the glittering heights above us. On and all was on. And our dear friend has entered upon that wonderful call. On and all was on. Man has forever, the Christian man, emphatically has forever, forever tears and sin and temptation, and as I believe forever with vast powers of service. Such powers of service that his servants serve him yonder as they could never dream of serving him here. Yes, our friend has the forever. He is forever with the Lord. Let us pray. Silent prayer.
We bless thee, O Lord our God, for the life and work of our dear friend here departed. We glorify thee for the life in which he walks, for the reward that he receives, for the word of commendation which as we believe he receives from his Lord. We bless thee for the testimony he bore, for the good fight he fought, for the course he ran, for the work he accomplished, for the example he leaves to those who follow him. And we pray thee, O Lord our God, that as he followed his master, we may follow his example. <coughs> Grant unto us a like devotion to the kingdom of God, as thou hast granted unto so many of us as unto him to be born in the household of faith, so grant, we pray thee, that we may with him dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May we esteem Zion above our chief joy and its prosperity our greatest and constant concern. Grant unto us like precious faith, true, simple, confiding, lasting. Give unto us, we pray thee, in face of the difficulties that confront us, his high courage, his perseverance, and grant we beseech thee that we may be enlightened with the heavenly wisdom of the King. And when our day comes for action, make us ready. And when it comes for suffering, give us grace to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Make us tender and true in all the relations of life. Bless every home represented here this day. And may the brightness of the home, its tenderness and joy be as the home of which we have been thinking. Bless the church, we pray thee, which he has served so faithfully and long. And grant, we pray thee, that the union of the Methodist family, which he did so much to promote, may prove to be in the counsels of God. 
the means that is to be used for the continuance of the evangelic faith in this land and for the spread of scriptural holiness throughout this and every land. Grant, we pray thee, that we may all be ready when the summons comes to us as was he and give to us with him that we may be faithful unto death that unto us as unto him of the alone mercy of our heavenly father through the son of his love we may receive the crown of life Be with the mourners, we pray thee, this day. Establish their heart in thy faith and fear. Let them know that what thou doest, thou doest well. And grant, we beseech thee, that some far-off touch may be given unto each one of that joy of the Lord, into which he has entered. And hasten the day, O Lord, of that coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in his power and glory in such wise that in this land, darkened through its selfishness, there may appear and break through that great glory and that fresh manifestation of his power and glory by which thy people shall be able to say this is our God we have waited for him and he saved us and the revival for which thy servant our friend wrought and prayed so long shall be with us when once again the work of God shall revive throughout the whole of this land and that shall be done in this century which by thy grace was done by our forefathers in the 18th century God bless the church God bless the country. God save Great Britain and grant that that land for which he toiled, as well as the church that he loved, may revive and blossom as the rose and blossom abundantly through Jesus Christ our Of the Lord Jesus Christ and God and of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Let us now sing the hymn to which Dr. Young referred that was, was, was done. Furtively and sometimes, sometimes openly upon the lips of Sir Robert Burke. We shall sing it to the old tune, you could not do any other, but we will omit 
the constant repetition of the chorus, we will sing the three verses, taking the melody straight through, the chorus of the melody to the second three lines of each verse. My God, I am thine. What a comfort divine, what a blessing to know that my Jesus is mine. <laughs> upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now and always. Amen.